Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, April. Thanks, everyone, for having me here. I just was at a reading where um, the reader said that she had just read that it's now considered a selfish act to drink water during the reading. Um, so, but, you know, choking is selfish, too. Um, so, anyway, it's a pleasure to be back here, and I look forward to meeting everyone. And I feel very... Um, old, um, uh, and including a, a person whom I taught when I was a high school teacher is here, and that is just, what? Impossible. Um, and plus I feel very lazy, so I'm surprised that all those things have happened in that introduction. That's very impressive, apparently. Um, so I'm going to read some poems, um, some of them from Reconnaissance and some from this book, Wild is the Wind, that is coming out in a year or so. This poem is called The Sea, the Forest. Like an argument against keeping the more unshakable varieties of woundedness inside, where such things may be best belong, he opened his eyes in the dark. Did you hear that? He asked. I became all over again, briefly silver as in what the leaves mean beneath. I could hear what sounded like waves at first, then like mistakes when, having gathered momentum, they crash wave-like against the shore of everything that a life has stood for. What, I said. Okay, this poem is called Swimming. Some nights I rise from the latest excuse for why not stay a while, Usually that hour when the coyotes roam the streets as they've always, as if they've always owned the place and had come back inspecting now for damage. But what hasn't been damaged? History here means a history of storms rushing the trees for so long their bowed shapes seem a kind of star. Worth trusting, I mean, as in how the helmsman steering home knows what star to lean on. Do people anymore even say, helmsman? Everything in waves, or at least wave-like, as when another's suffering, being greater, displaces our own, or I understand it should, which is meant to be different, I'm sure of it, from that pleasure Lucretius speaks of in witnessing from land a ship foundering at sea, though more and more it all seems related. I love the nights here. I love the jetty's black ghost finger, how it calms the harbor, how the fog hanging stranded just above the water is fog finally, not the left behind parts of those questions from which I half wish I could school my mind, desperate cargo, to keep a little distance. An old map from when this place was first settled shows monsters everywhere once the shore gives out. It can still feel like that. I dive in, and they rise like faithfulness itself, watery pallbearers heading seaward, and I the raft they steady. It seems there's no turning back. So, I don't... You know, I envy fiction people who just, well, maybe novelists, who just say, I'm going to read from a novel, and then they just go. 
<clears throat> they don't have to say anything else. Um, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to say something in between poems, but when I try, it usually is something stupid, so I'm not going to say much between the poems. See, that was an example. <laughs> it's a bit of an example there. <clears throat> this is called The Darker Powers. Even if you're right, and there's in fact a difference between trouble unlooked for and the kind of trouble we pursued ruthlessly until at last it was ours, what will the difference have been finally? What I've called the world continues to pass for one. The room spins same as ever. The bodies inside it do, flightless, but no less addicted to mastering, to the dream of mastering, the very boughs through which they keep falling without motion almost, that slowly it seems they'll fall forever, my pretty consorts, to whom sometimes, out of pity, not mercy, for nothing tender about it, I show the darker powers I've hardly shown to anyone. Feel the weight of them, I say, before putting them back, just behind my heart, where they blacken and thrive. Um, right. This poem is called Musculature. The last dog I owned, or more humanely put, so I'm told, that I used to live with, she'd follow me everywhere. She died eventually. I put her downs more the point. It is the point. And now this dog that I mostly call sovereignty, both for how sovereignty, like fascination, can be overrated, and for how long it's taken me just to half understand that. Pretty much my whole life, mortality seemed an ignorable wilderness like any other. The past seemed what occasionally it still does, a version of luck when luck, as if inevitably, gets stripped away. What hope otherwise for suffering? When did honesty become so hard to step into and stay inside of? I'm not saying forever I could last a fair time on a small while. Sovereignty sleeps hard beside me. I pass my hands down the full length of him, like a loose command through a summer garden. Let those plants that can do so lean away on their stems toward the sun. I do feel the need to say my dog's name is not Sovereignty, <clears throat> um, which would be a little pretentious. His name is Ben. So, <clears throat> well, you know, I can imagine some people would think that's a poet's dog's name, but not this poet's. It is. It is much easier. Um, this is called For Long to Hold, and it's, that title is from something. Um, it's stolen from something. It's, oh, it's from um, a poem by Hart Crane called The Broken Tower. Anyway, For Long to Hold. Not because there was nothing to say, or we didn't want to. We just stopped speaking entirely, but 
like making a gift of it. Here, for you. Saturday birds picked the sidewalk's reminders of Friday night's losses, what got left behind. I've been wrong about more than, despite memory, I had thought was possible. I keep making my way through the so-called forests of the so-called dead. I whistle their branches into rivers elsewhere. They tell the usual lies that water lately can hardly wait to begin singing about. Love as rescue, rescue as to have been at last set free. If that's how it always seems anyway, so what that it did? When I whistle again, not so hard this time, more softly, each lie blows out, then away. Lit candles, dust. I take everything back. Um, right. This poem is called Several Birds in Hand, But the Rest Go Free. I don't know where that title came from. But, um, I mean, I made it up, but I don't, <laughs> don't know. Um, so, several birds in hand, but the rest go free. Hiking the restored prairie was more than lovely enough. I could appreciate the good signage, got a chance to forget for a change, to respect fear. Were they happy in any real way, whatever real is, those first pioneers? The happiest people I know are those whose main strategy has always been detachment. I've been working on that. Not so long ago, for example, a sentence like, the skin where you burned me last week with your cigarette has almost healed completely, was so much harder to say. Progress, the way blue stem, mallow, purple globes of clover, when said together, make a kind of music, though they're nothing alike. Pale colors in a tall field, all a prairie comes to. True pity, as in deeply felt. I save mine, what's left of it, for the wounded animals, the ones not yet dead. Already, I don't mean anymore the soft, dark, violent, rustling wilderness inside the bright one that I was before when I say wilderness. What can it mean? It does mean I went to a restored prairie, but as my friends often say, well, why didn't you just write about the prairie? <clears throat> why do you have to start thinking? My friends, <clears throat> they are, they are, um, because they say such things. It keeps me grounded. This is called Last Night. Then he said it was like learning the hard way, as in too late, that maybe recklessness is overrated. And though I disagreed, I did not say so. I disembarked instead. Behind me, the skiff keeps nudging the pier, rough sex diminishing, or just now revealing itself, 
a distinction that from here I can see matters. It should. It should have. Sometimes the light can seem to stand in for reluctance. Last night, the dark did. I have rested my hand on the beloved's head. As with regret, so too with prayer. His skull, my hand. There's a trembling inside the both of us. There's a trembling inside us both. Uh, yeah, so, huh. This poem is called Discipline. It's very short, as good, effective discipline should be. Well, <clears throat> no time to think about it. <clears throat> discipline. More theatrically than I'd expected, the trapped hummingbird won't stop beating the mason jar's glass. The staghorn sumac's splayed geometry tilts on the wind. You are the knife, and you are also what the knife has opened, says the wind. <clears throat> huh. I find these readings flying by, flying by, but that's the kind of reading I like attending. I'll tell you. I. I, seriously, sometimes I've been to a reading, an actual reading that not only went over an hour, but the final poem, when it was announced, it was in 12 parts. And then I was told, we were told that it was a dialogue, um, half in French, I think between George Sand and I don't know, Wittgenstein, somebody. And it was, it was awful. I mean, just as a poem, but then to end with that, I think, you know, everyone wants to leave. So, <clears throat> this is called Foliage. Cage inside a cage, inside a whispering so deep that, and then just the two of us, and you calling it vulnerability, and me calling it rumor passing through suspicion's fingers, ashweed, flickering halo of the boy I might really have been once, tiger lilies beneath a storm blowing into, then out of character, then back again as if seasonal, summer now, now fall. But I know suspicion has no fingers. Vulnerability is just part of the trash that rumor leaves behind. Waited out long enough, the trash shifts. It always does. In that way, it's like memory lately. I'm the fist of instinct, cool, unstoppable. You're the dogwood's crucifix-laden branches. I'm the fist through the branches. You're the fist. I'm the branches. Um, this poem, <clears throat> I know where its title comes from because I started having difficulty coming up with titles. So I got this, I thought, very clever idea, which is to pick lines from my own poems from years ago, but make them the title. 
it's like plagiarizing but yourself, so it's not plagiarizing. So it's called What I See is the Light Falling All Around Us, which is the next to last line of a poem from like forever ago. So no one's going to know either, but it, it's just interesting. <clears throat> what I see is the light falling all around us. To have understood some small piece of the world more deeply doesn't have to mean we're not as lost as before. Or so it seems this morning, random bees stirring among the dogwood blossoms, a few here and there stirring differently, somehow more like resisting stillness. Should it come to winnowing my addictions, I'd hold on hardest, I'm pretty sure, to mystery. Though just yesterday, a perfect stranger was so insistent that I looked familiar, it seemed easier in the end to agree we must know each other. To his body, a muscularity both at odds and at one with how fragile everything else about him, I thought, would be if I could see inside. What's the word for the kind of loneliness that can feel like swimming unassisted in a foreign language for the very first time? Hmm. <clears throat> I see that there were bees in that one and there are bees in this one. It always bothers me. I start thinking that I... It's like I used to have deer in every poem. <clears throat> and what it means is I have a lot of bees in the backyard and I need to look elsewhere, another window. <clears throat> um, anyway, this is called Stray. Stray. When he speaks of deserved and undeserved as more than terms, how they can matter suddenly, I can tell he believes it. Sometimes a thing can seem star-like when it's just a star, stripped of whatever small form of joy likeness equals. Sometimes the thought that I'm doomed to fail, that the body is, keeps me almost steady, if steadiness is what a gift for a while brings, feathers, burst at last, pods of milkweed, October, before it all fades away. Before the drugs and the loud music, before tears and restraining orders, and the eventual go fuck yourself, get your ass out of here, don't go. The apartments across the street were a boy's grammar school. Before that, a convent, the only remains of which, ornamenting the far parking lot, is a marble pedestal with some Latin on it that translates as, heart of Jesus, have mercy. As if that much, at least, still remained relevant, or should. If it's true that secrets resist always the act of telling, how come secrets, more often than not, seem the entire story? Caladium, Cleome, how delicate this holding of certain words in the mouth, the all but lost trick of lifting for salvage the last windfalls as across them the bees make their slow-muscled, stunned, moving scab. Is there something to be gotten out of hearing people screaming at each other across the street? Um, <clears throat> hmm. A little local color. Uh, this poem is called Faintly 
faintly with falling stars. Like having been lost unfindably, and then not so much remembering the way as the way itself somehow opening, watch me. And you understanding at last, not just knowing it, the difference. For there is a difference, power being one thing, survival another. If he never believed you did, can you really say you loved him and what you say be true? At the water's edge, as at the edge of ruin, the kind that's meant to be looked back on once, then it's gone, forgotten, you lift two fingers. Your eyes shift eastward, conquest, and by whatever name, the glittering slaves that always follow conquest, like a bridal train. How flushed the bride looks, pulling your broken face, not untenderly toward hers, less broken. Um, right. <clears throat> so we have three more poems here. Um, this one's called The Strong by Their Stillness. The Strong by Their Stillness. It comes from a novel, that title, by Pablo Villalobos, Down the Rabbit Hole. There's some phrase in it that says you can, you can note the strong by their stillness, the weak by the fact that they run and start moving, thinking of animals. So, the strong by their stillness. Most mornings here, mist is the first thing to go. First the mist, then the fog, though hardly anyone seems to know the difference or even care. The way for some a dead buck is a dead buck, the road, the body, a little light, the usual dark, light's unshakable escort. You can love a man more than he'll ever love back or be able to. You can confuse your understanding of that with a thing like acceptance or worse, all you've ever deserved. I've driven hard into the gorgeousness of spring before. It fell hard behind me, the turning away, I mean, the finding of clothes, the maneuvering awkwardly back into them. Why not drive forever? Respect or shame, it's pretty much your own choice, is how it once got explained to me. I've already said, I'm not sorry. Magnolia, wild pear, so what? If one wish begets a next one, only to be conquered by it, if the blooms break open, nevertheless, like hope. I want to have some hope in there. So, there it is, one word. Um, all right, so as I said, three poems, so that means there are two. Because I also don't like that at readings. People will say, I have three, but you're sure you counted five. And it's like, what's wrong with them? What, what land do they live in? Well, that strange word, couple, a couple more, that means five? I don't understand. So, this poem is called At Bay. It's kind of one run-on sentence. 
Coral bells purpled the fallen sycamore leaves, dead, the dead versus those who attempted death, versus those who effectively fashioned out of such attempts a style akin to electric guitar shimmer, swelling and unswelling like starlings when they first lift off, or like stars when, from their fixed sway, they come suddenly loose, the hero lets go, all gone, a career spent swallowing, trying to catastrophe's jewel-studded tail, unswallowable because holy in the way of fanfare, its gift for persuasion, how it can make of what's ordinary and therefore flawed, of course, a thing that's holy. For a time it seemed so, didn't restlessness seem to be, little god of making, no less impossible in the end than any of the gods. Where's the holiness? They sleep never, they tire infrequently. To be tired bores them. Distraction refined by damage would be their drug of choice, hands down, if they could choose. Even they don't get to. And I'll end with this poem, Wild is the Wind, which I know is a song. <clears throat> People keep asking me, do you know? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and what they usually say is, do you know it's a song by David Bowie? I know it as a song recorded most memorably by Nina Simone. But David Bowie's is fine too. Wild is the wind. About what's past, hold on when you can, I used to say. And when you can't, let go. As if memory were one of those mechanical bulls, easily dismountable, should the ride turn rough. I lived in those days at the forest's edge, metaphorically, so it can sometimes seem now, though the forest was real, as my life beside it was. I spent much of my time listening to the sounds of random, unknowable things dropping or being dropped from variously a middling height or a great one until by winter it was just the snow falling, each time like a new unnecessary taxonomy or syntax for how to parse what's plain, snow, from which the occasional lost hunter would emerge every few or so seasons, and just once a runaway child whom I gave some money to and told no one about, having promised. You must keep what you've promised very close to your heart. That way you'll never forget, is what I've always been told. I've been told quite a lot of things. They hover some more unbidden than others, in that part of the mind where mistakes and torn wishes echo as in a room that's been newly cathedraled, so that the echo surprises, though lately it's less the echo itself that can still most surprise me about memory. It's more the time it takes going away. A mouth opening to say, I love sex with you too. It doesn't mean I want to stop my life for it for example, or just a voice, mouthless, asking, since when does the indifference of the body's stance when we're alone, unwatched, in late light, amount to cruelty? For the metaphysical poets, the problem with weeping for what's been lost is that tears wash out memory, and by extension, what we'd hoped to remember. If I refuse increasingly to explain, 
isn't explanation at the end of the day what the sturdier truths most resist? It's been my experience that tears are useless against all the rest of it that, if I could, I'd forget. That I keep wanting to stay should count at least for something. I'm not done with you yet. Thanks very much.